In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's Gospel, Jesus is kind of, uh, is kind of hinting as to how it is that we should be in times that are strange, in times that, you know, in our modern world, it's just kind of, it's very troubling, things of that nature, right? What kind of Christians are we to be? If we call ourselves disciples of Christ, if you remember, right, throughout this past season of Elijah, the season of the cross, Jesus gives us repeated stories as to how it is that we should act, and today is no different. Today is no different. As you know, there's going to be, uh, you know, voting season is upon us, November 8th, right, that, that Tuesday. And as voting season comes up, there are these questions as to what it is we should be voting for, whatever, whatever it is, right? It's not a presidential election, but it is a governor's election. There are some important proposals out there, things of that nature. And I want us to wake up as Christians. To wake up as Christians, to realize what it is that's most important for us, you know? What's most important for us as a society, as Americans, and by the way, as Americans, we are given a very special privilege to be able to, you know, we don't like a law, we're able to kind of take the correct kind of uh, steps to change that law, right? To change that law. And laws are what define us as Americans. If there's a law that says you cannot drink until you're 21, guess what? That means the government is trying to, for, trying to send a message. The government is trying to say that, hey, unless you reach a certain age, you should not be drinking, you should not be smoking, you should not be doing X, Y, and Z. Because the government wants to promote a healthy culture of some sort. Wants to promote, you know, kids not drinking until they're old. People not making these decisions until they're, they're old enough to consider it. And it's no different when it comes to any other law. To give you kind of um, some background, right, there is this Proposal 3 that's going on, and Proposal 3, which we are going to vote for in November, it's going to make changes to the Michigan Constitution. Why is this coming up now? If we remember, maybe about a year and a half ago, the Supreme Court of the United States, this was about 50 years down the making, down the line, 50 years ago, the Supreme Court ruled that throughout the land of the USA, abortion is to be legalized. And states don't have a say because it's at the federal level, right? Because it comes from the state, it comes from Washington, D.C., you, can't, you can tell Michigan, you can tell the rest of Ohio, you can tell the rest of well, the United States, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what you think, abortion is, is legalized, right? And so now, recently, the Supreme Court heard another case in which now they say, no, no, we can't let this be a federal ruling, but we throw it back to the states. The states now can decide on their own whether or not they want abortion to be legalized. And now, so to speak, the ball's in our court. It's in the voters' court. And that is why there is so much attention to this Proposal 3. And other states have already passed similar proposals to Proposal 3. For example, in New York and California, things of that nature. What they've done is they've said, they've even gone so far as to say, any time throughout the pregnancy, even till moments of after birth, you are able to perform an abortion, even after the baby is born alive. It makes no sense. And so what is the government saying when it passes laws such as this? What is the government saying? Is it promoting motherhood? Or is it making motherhood sometimes an inopportunity? This kind of unfortunate thing that happened, whatever it might be, you're not ready, it's kind of not a convenient time for you, it's inconvenient, okay, that's fine. Which is how a majority of abortions happen, right? It's inconvenient. We don't want it this moment. Bring shame, whatever it might be. But it shouldn't. Motherhood should not be seen as a disease, but as a great blessing. And that 
is what we should be considering when we think about these laws that the government is trying to promote, right? Motherhood is not a disease. Motherhood is not an opportunity. But it's a grace if we allow it to be a grace. We need to support families. We need to support families however we can. Right? But I want us, you know, as Christians, I know we all know this, right? I want us to learn these two lessons that we take away from Jesus today. Yeah? This is surely going to bring a lot of division, sometimes with our friends, sometimes co-workers, sometimes family, whatever it might be. But I want us to learn two things from Jesus today. In today's story, there's the faith of the boy's father. Here's this, this father who has a son, and the son suffers from ep- epilepsy, and he takes him to the disciples. The disciples, very publicly, they fail at it. They are not able to heal this boy. And so as they're not able to heal this boy, the father never loses hope in who Jesus Christ is, and he knows that Jesus Christ, who, you know, his disciples, whom, whom he sent to go out and to cure people, he knows that they have failed, and very publicly they failed in front of everyone, But he knows that if he goes to the true source, if he goes to Jesus, his faith in Jesus is not questioning. He doesn't doubt the faith of Jesus. Not at all. But he says, if I can only go to Jesus, and I ask him to heal my son, he will be healed. And when Jesus, when it's brought to his attention, when Jesus' attention is brought to the fact that his disciples could not heal, what does he first answer? Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long must I be with you? How long must I endure you? How long until you get it? How long until you understand it? Bring him to me. And he brings him to Jesus, and the son is cured instantly. My brothers and sisters, how often do we, as as me and you included, as Jesus' disciples, how often do we fail Jesus? Jesus chose that throughout these 2,000 years, to conform people, to, under, to have people understand who Jesus is, right? To kind of conform them to the gospel, to teach them the gospel through means of the church. But the church is full of humans. And humans will fail. Humans will fail to show love. Humans will fail to show God's mercy. Humans, us humans, us disciples of Jesus, sometimes we will fail to show the true colors of Jesus, who Jesus is all about, who failed to show the truth in love and mercy. Jesus shared the truth. And sometimes people didn't like the truth. But he made sure to do it with love and compassion. And again, if we remember from my previous homily, compassion is entering into the other person's shoes, entering into the other person's life, and saying, why is it they might have made these decisions? It's not easy for them, maybe. But we can have compassion on them. We can pray with them. That's what I want us to learn from Jesus. The fact that he had this great patience, this great love, and he always showed it. He always showed this great love and compassion. Again, you know, in today's today's world, we are called to do just that, right? If we have co-workers who don't believe in the same view as ours, if we have family who don't believe in the same view as ours, what do we do? We pray for We have patience. We have just like this patience that Jesus shows us, right? This divine patience that God has with us. How often do we sin? How often do we fall short? And yet we continue to go to Jesus and say, I'm sorry. And he continues to forgive us. Even though we don't deserve it. Even though we will fail again tomorrow and in the future. He still has this divine patience with us. And we are called 
to model that patience. Second, the second thing we can learn from Jesus today is that the gospel reading takes place a little bit after the transfiguration. Now, if you remember the transfiguration, is when Jesus goes up to the mountain with a few of his disciples, and he's lifted up into glory, and there's this bright white light that shines, right? And God is present there. So is Elijah, so is Moses, right? And here is Jesus doing all these important things. Talking to God the Father. And light. All this light is shining bright. And yet, as soon as he comes down, the first thing he's approached with is this kind of what seems to be an insignificant request. Lord, if you will it, my son will be healed. Not important. He just spoke with God the Father. And then he comes down from the mountain and he's presented with this. What does he do? He takes compassion. He heals the boy. Even though he doesn't see him as annoying. He doesn't see... He doesn't see the father and his son as something annoying, something you need to push to the side, and I don't really care. And a lot of this we can learn from for today. It's very easy to feel like a Christian when you're here, when you're in church, when you're praying, when you're saying your, your, your prayers privately at home, right? It's very easy, very, very easy to feel like a Christian in those moments when we're private, when we're alone with God. And we can say, okay, I'm truly close with God, but that is not Christianity. Christianity is not just escaping the world. Christianity is rather rising from our knees, rising from our prayers as we praise God and then going to meet our fellow people, our fellow humans, our fellow uh, uh, Christians, our fellow non-Christians, and to meet them where they're at and to help them. That is real Christianity. We draw strength from God. And we go out into the world to give that strength, to give that light that we've received to everyone else. A lot of times people say, well, how can you be a Christian? How can you be pro-life? And you don't really support the mother, you know, after, for example, the mother who's in a crisis pregnancy and whatever it might be. How is it that you are pro-life up to that point? You just want, you know, you're, you're pro-birth, but you're not pro-life after the fact. In a certain sense, I agree. We should be more pro-life. And that is why the Catholic Church has so many crisis pregnancy centers. That's why we have so many adoption centers. That's why we have so many charities that help the women who are in crisis pregnancies. We want to be as pro-birth as possible, pro, or pro-life as possible, right? Also pro-birth. We want to realize that life is sacred, no matter what time of life it is. Our brothers and sisters, we are called to do the same thing. We are called to really exemplify this real Christianity. Again, it's not about feeling too comfortable ourselves, but it's about going out there. It's about going out there, helping our brothers in need, whether they might be in the Middle East looking for our help, whether they might be here in our neighborhood looking for help, whether it might be women who are in crisis pregnancies, whatever it might be. There are so many charities that do just that. And at the very least, what we also can do is pray. The bishop has launched a campaign, along with a few other people of the community, to do a million rosary campaign, millionrosary.com, millionrosary.com. And what it is, is by the end of October, which is the month of the rosary, we will have hopefully reached a million rosaries. And how many things are we praying for throughout this country that the, fa this, the family is protected above all else? That's the things that we're protected. That's the things that we're praying for. That's what we want to protect as Christians. That we know this truth. But if we look around us, look how beautiful family is how beautiful family is. We want it to be protected 
in the United States. And so millionrosary.com, every time it is you pray the rosary, you go on as a family, you go on as an individual, whatever it might be, whenever you pray a rosary, you go on and you click that you've prayed a rosary. Continue to count your rosaries. Make it a daily thing. I promise you, when you pray with your Heavenly Mother, when you pray with her, things will change. And never underestimate the power of the rosary. Beautiful weapon that Jesus gives us, that God gives us, to pray with our Heavenly Mother against the evils of this world. When we pray it together as a family, I promise you, lives will be transformed. I promise you, things will happen that we could never have believed. So many, so many saints have converted by the power of the rosary. So many saints. Saints who are atheists. Saints who are, at one point, worshipping Satan. And yet, all they did simply was open up their hearts to Mother Mary, and souls were transformed. My brothers and sisters, we live in a confusing time. We live in a confusing time, and all Jesus tells us is, if you want to move mountains... If you want to move mountains, which he says at the end of this gospel, right? If you want to move mountains, meaning if you want to move problems, all you have to do is ask for faith the size of a mustard seed. It's not big at all. Ask for that, and you can move mountains. You can move problems that we thought we could never remove. I never thought, again, in a million years, I never thought in my lifetime, Roe versus Wade would ever be overturned. And yet, here it is. The power of the rosary. Power of prayer. Power of being a Christian. But I want us to show others that we are Christians by our love. That yes, we vote against the proposal, but it's not because we hate. It's not because we go against, not just because the church tells us to. But it's because Jesus commands that life is sacred. It's because we know that life is sacred. It's because we know that motherhood is not a disease. It's not an illness, but it's a beautiful grace that comes from God, that God has created life, no matter how it happens. And so that's what we protect. Yeah? That's what we protect. At the end of, uh, <coughs> at the, end of uh, the Mass, if you look outside, you will see flyers for this Proposal 3, as well as what it is this proposal uh, kind of is, is pushing for, right? And how it is that you can get involved in it. There's one in English as well as in Arabic. Available outside. For those who are not registered to vote, I encourage you to register today. There is a registration table outside. And it doesn't take long at all. You'll get your registration card in the mail. And you go to your local voting place, wherever that might be. And you can vote for these things. Yeah, Vote for these things in order to protect what is most fundamental. My brothers and sisters, remember. We do everything out of love. Everything out of charity. We show the world its truth but we show it out of love and charity so that others might see that the light that shines forth within us is of Christ and others might know Christ as well. Amen?